everybody welcome back to the youpal podcast your source of motivation information and inspiration i'm your host austin lee we have one of our youpal founders with us jared sheets today jared how you doing doing well austin happy to be here a little strange being in front of the camera this time and not in the chat but i'm excited oh i know isn't it different because now now you are because you're always there you're always listening and mm-hmm. now you're in front of it you're talking in front of the camera and now we get to hear who's really behind the screen i know it's an exciting moment let's do it let's all right jared so just give us like a, a little bit about yourself like a quick you know minute or two who you are and kind of maybe just touch on a little bit of like what wellness means to you. Okay. Yeah. So as you know, grew up in Greenfield, Indiana with Austin Lee, a couple of small town boys. Um, and then too, just growing up with that wellness wasn't ever really a priority, especially in terms of fitness. Like no one ever knew anything about nutrition or health or any of that. So that's all been a pretty recent thing for me, which it's been a pretty big learning experience, which is nice, but definitely for most of my life, I didn't know much about it at all. And it was hard to get resources, like know which to trust. Um, And then so I went to IU as well, where we met Sean Goodwin, the other founder. And that was a good experience. And I graduated in 2017 with a degree in sociology and a minor in English. And then from there, um, after college, I went and lived in the Chicago suburbs for a couple of years. Um, And it was living alone that I started to learn a lot about nutrition and wellness, especially by myself, like just being on my own, like having to cook my own meals, doing all that. It was a lot more because in college, I'd had some fitness and wellness, but it was much more like working out with friends, never like my own pursuit. It was more just it would happen to do it when someone else wanted to. So it was a pretty different uh, being on my own and being self-motivated. Yeah. I I mean, to be honest, that's when... I probably learned the most about wellness. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. fitness, but for sure wellness. And I think, I think uh, you don't realize it's your own pursuit until you're by yourself, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty incredible. So I guess, um, like, what was kind of the first step into that, or how did you get there? Because for me, it was, I guess, I got into like a a little bit of a depressed state. And I felt like I was in a rut Mm -hmm. and I felt stuck. So I was like, how can I get out of this? And so, you know, fitness for me was like such a big thing. And that was kind of my cornerstone, which helped a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it, it only made me really tense. And it wasn't until I started working on like my mental health as well, like mind, body, spirit, and started opening myself up and, and really had that connection to myself and, and found myself on my own pursuit of wellness and the connection to myself. So I'm just kind of curious on like how you got there, where you started and uh, where you went next. Yeah, definitely. Mine was the same way. It came from like being in a negative spot for a long time because at first living on my own, it wasn't a very good thing because, you know, you just like come home just eat junk food watch tv don't ever really do much and it's like on the weekends going out hanging out with friends and drinking in chicago so that kind of adds up and then i realized like i'd gained a lot of weight wasn't really happy where i was just wanted to feel better overall too so then i just kind of got more motivated and actually funnily enough i was working with a lot of people because that was when like the keto diet became really big and everyone's like oh you got to go keto cut out all carbs and so like i started doing that like going uh high protein, high fat, low carb. And that actually really helped me lose weight Mm. too. Like you lose it quick. And then I was working out on top of it too. Cause the nice thing about living there in a city was that there was a gym, like literally five minute walk from my apartment. So it was a lot easier to go do where now it's like a 20 minute drive from rural Indiana to the closest town to work out. It's a lot easier to be motivated when I can just walk there and then walk back. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so that was definitely the biggest motivation. And then two, um, like I've always noticed I do really well with being motivated if I have like a goal in mind. 
So it was actually, it was like three months until we went on that cruise together. So I was kind of like, oh, I want to be in good shape for the cruise. So that really helped motivate me having like a set date to be like, okay. And then you can like picture it in your mind, be like, okay, three months of this, it'll be good. Which it was good for short-term change, but then it wasn't very sustainable. Because then like after I kind of got back into old ways, mm-hmm. didn't eat as healthy, didn't work out as much. So it wasn't a very good sustainable change in the long term. Yeah. Which I've tried to focus on those now to like help me overall. Uh, and and that's so hard too, to have those sustainable changes. Cause I think that's the big thing. Like when you have those, you know, small goals, like, okay, I'm going for spring break mm-hmm. or I'm doing this for new year's. It's like, yeah, you, you'll get to, you know, the first or second month or third month, or you might even get all the way there. But then once it's there, it's over, you're, you're right. done. And I think that's where wellness is pretty incredible because it helps you step into like a, a person, like a being. And it's like, okay, I want to be healthy. Like I want to make that lifestyle change rather than, Hey, I want to, you know, have a six pack for spring break, or right. I want to lose 20 pounds for spring break. And, and, and cause once you lose it, there's no longer being healthy. There's no longer that lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess like, what's your goal now? Like what, what are you striving for? What are you going for now on your pursuit of wellness? Yeah. So now, um, like I said, I'm more into trying to find like a good sustainable plan of health and wellness, especially in terms of fitness. So it really helped when you were telling me about UPAL and everything, seeing it as a journey instead of just like, you know, just a destination, just like it means to an end. Like I just want to work, get a six pack and then I'll be good. Cause then it's like, once you get that and then it's over, it's like, what am I working for? And then you fall back in those old habits, but trying now just to be on the journey and see it as that and enjoy it along the way, instead of just trying to be like, see it as something um, being powered by like negative emotions mm-hmm. and like negative reinforcement, something positive, like, Oh, I want to be working out like a few times a week. I want to be eating healthy in the long term. And yeah. so that's really been good motivation for me because it was a quote, I think it was by Tony Robbins where he said, like, if you have two boats going in the same path, like they're going to, be really close together but if one of those boats just takes like a one degree change like in the short term they'll still look like they're on the same path but if you look at them like dozens of miles down the road they're on completely different paths so if you just make like those one like really small changes a bunch of them eventually it'll add up to being a big change longer down the road yeah it's i mean it's that consistency too mm-hmm. and and to go on that it's really like i guess how i view it it's uh like if we look at, okay, I'm going to work out five times a week and we, each one is 20% of my gains, like whatever mm-hmm. gains we're going to call it. Even if I have a bad day and I just show up and I only put in 50% of the effort, but I still showed up, that's still 10%. Right. And I could go every day and only, and on the worst week ever, only do 50% all the way across. And still that's 50%. But if I just didn't go at all, that's zero. Mm. I think that's, you know, it goes to what you're saying is just like, you you can go that one degree change might not just be like working out that day. It could just be showing up like it Mm -hmm. and doing something small. And I think what we were talking about earlier, like you running laps after we worked out today is more than a one degree change it's like a five degree change right (laughs) (laughs) which is like really inspirational and motivational too because um that's that's important and you know you can tell that like you're serious about your fitness which is awesome to to be around and i think when you have when you're on that pursuit and you also bring people with you that are on your that same pursuit the the journey is endless and mm. no destinations off limits definitely um, yeah so i guess um you know kind of diving a little bit deeper into that balance like what does that look like for you for your for your goals like around fitness and wellness what does the balance look like yeah so with that i've been thinking about a lot lately especially in terms of like sustainability and long term And I know we talk about it a lot, but trying to maintain like a good 80, 20 rule with fitness and health. Cause before Mm -hmm. I was in the mindset of like all or nothing. Like when I had those three months where I went keto, it's like no carbs, no sugar, no caffeine, like just going completely off. And it's like good short term and it can help with motivation. Like definitely 
it was something that radical, like I kind of eased into it. I didn't just go all at once. Like I started with one thing and then added more on, but then it kind of just becomes too much. And so now it's kind of like, okay, I can have those sugary things or bad food, but I'm only going to do it 20% of the time. And the other 80%, I'm going to be conscious of what I'm eating and healthy. And it's like, you don't have to work out every single day, but if like 80% of the days you're working out, that's really good. And just like allowing yourself to have those bad things, but just keeping them in moderation and keeping them healthy instead of just like keeping them at bay. Cause then too, I think that kind of builds up in your mind as these are like treats or like something bad. So when you do have them, which we all do, like eventually we'll crack and have something bad. You feel negative about it. But if it's oh, like you allow yeah. to have it a little bit, which it's, if you have it, like if you have a snack that's candy, like once a week, you'll be fine. But just more about like having that in your life and being able to accept it yeah. instead of trying to like treat it as like this big demon that we can't ever have. And when we do, we hate ourselves for it. You feel oh, a lot better emotionally. Man, that, that is so true. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because it's, um, like that for me that was always the hardest thing because as soon as i let one of my quote unquote we'll call it demons show up mm-hmm. in the picture then it's like okay well i'm already here i splurged a little i might as well it's like eating one slice of pizza i might as well have the whole pizza and oh guess what i'm just gonna order another and have a six pack of beer <laughs> right <laughs> and i'm already here might as well just go all out <laughs> yeah exactly and that's like and that's being modest because there are times like it, all pursuits of wellness were off. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's that's pretty incredible, too, because finding that balance like that 80-20 is, is awesome. Mm. And, um, it, and it's not, you know, zero hundred ever because eventually you're going to break. We're not meant to be like that. We're not meant to suppress our ability to have pleasure in our lives. And um, there's this spiritual author, Jay Krishnamurti, who talks about when you seek pleasure, you get pain. And when you seek pain, you get pleasure. So I kind of think about that with like weightlifting. When you're seeking pain, like, you know, in indulging in muscle strain or cardiovascular strain or something like that you ultimately start to love it and you enjoy it. You get that, um, like the endorphins from it. But then when you are seeking pleasure, whether that's in a relationship or whether that's in drinking or whether that's in, um, like doing something creative, like at some point in time, like whatever you had either fades breaks or, uh, you no longer enjoy So you're attached to that memory. And ultimately it's like, you got to have that balance. So if you aren't going to balance yourself, Mm -hmm. the world will balance you. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I think that's uh, in some way. Oh, exactly. And it'll rock your, rock your shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it will. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess uh, what helps you like just talking to give advice to other people, like Mm -hmm. what are some resources, tools, or, or tips that you would have for other people on their pursuit of wellness and their pursuit of balance and uh, longevity and sustainability, what kind of advice or resources do you use? Yeah, well, definitely the biggest one, which is a plug is subscribe to UPAL. And you can learn a lot because <laughs> definitely just being a part of this, I've learned a lot too about um, just like nutrition and fitness. And it's good having people who are experts in that field. Mm-hmm. And have a lot of personal experience as well as like educational experience on it because that's the biggest thing like we learned um talking with bailey how anyone can call themselves a nutritionist and how most people don't understand it's just like a catch-all term like it doesn't really mean anything yeah um but especially now in like the information age like you can go on youtube and find like fifty thousand videos about how like the new diet where you should only eat meat is completely healthy and the best thing for you and vegetables are bad and so it's kind of hard to like decipher through all of those yeah. Um, so that's kind of been the big thing in the past is like trying to find good resources, which a lot of times I just relied on friends who were weightlifting or had experience in that, which definitely helped me along the way just to learn the basics and everything. Um, so I don't have much in resources as far as that, but definitely like the biggest thing for my personal wellness is just been like self-awareness of how you work and like what motivates you, like what are your shortcomings in terms of fitness and wellness? Like I've learned, um, if I start my day on a healthy note, I'm a lot 
more likely to continue that throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like how we started doing our morning workouts. Like I feel a lot better throughout the day. I'm more likely to like go for a run later. Um, I just feel better, like less anxious, just more ready for the day as opposed to some people who are like, Oh, I can only work out at night. Like I really like a night workout or after work. It's like, if I wait till then, I'm just going to be like really tired and be like, Oh, I don't need to do it. I can just sit and watch TV. But if I do it like first thing, just get up and go, it's like, I'm a lot more motivated that way. Mm -hmm. So just understanding that too. And then another thing I've realized, especially over like the past year, just with like quarantine and everything, it's been like really stressful for everyone is that when I'm really emotionally stressed, I'll tend to binge eat really bad which has been like a really big detriment to my wellness and just like being very self-aware of that and seeing it happen. It's like, so now when I recognize that I'm really stressed, I'll try and like work out or go for a run instead of just going and eating or try and like go and work on something else, just like getting myself out of that. So trying to find like more positive outlets for those negative emotions. Okay. Yeah. And how do you, what do you do for your um, like positive outlets? Like, what does that look like? Can you give me an example of that? Yeah. So I have like, like a small home gym at home in the basement. So I'll Mm kind of just go and like do a quick workout. Like I got a punching bag put up, which is always a good outlet for negative emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Just like go and like hit the bag and um, that, or just like go and try and work on something creative, like go read or just go learn about something new or just like write about it. Like writing definitely helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think with that too, it's just more about like finding your own personal journey and what works for you. And just like bringing that awareness, which it's really hard to do, but it's definitely the most powerful when you can find something that works. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's where it all starts is self-awareness too, you know, right? Because mm-hmm. if you have that, you know, when you're in a bad spot, you know, when you need an outlet, you know, when you need to tap out and um, it's kind of funny. Have you ever done like a wrecking room? No, I wanted to. You keep telling me about it. Oh, dude, they are so much fun. It's... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a replacement for therapy, but it's therapeutic in its own mm-hmm. way. Oh, yeah. I was going through um, some really tough times at my professional job, and I was not happy at all. And I was starting to have some really negative outlets um, towards that. And so basically what basically what I did is I just went to this wrecking room and did a whole scene of like quitting. Because what was that one uh, movie? Was it... Um, office space is that it oh where they take the printer out in the field and just beat it up yeah that's kind of <laughs> what it felt like <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, so relieving i loved it but yeah i mean i think that's the big thing is self-awareness is is when you need that balance like when you need to say hey i need to pump the brakes i need to stop i need i need to or even forgive yourself mm-hmm. and i think it comes down to like hey i either need to forgive myself or stop and find a way to uh, get this resolved because otherwise you just like ignoring it isn't going to solve itself. It's not, right. it's not going anywhere. It's yeah, going it's just going to build place. up and build up until you can't handle it. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I guess uh, like flipping it a little bit more, what, where do you get your motivation at? Like, how do you stay motivated? How do you wake up in the morning and go to the gym? Because um, I see some people that wake up in the morning and then, or even I'll do it and mm-hmm. I'll wake up and I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm not going, I'm, <laughs> I'm done today. Yeah. Um, but like working out with you, you've been very consistent. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of curious on like how you stay motivated and how, um, and where that motivation comes from. Yeah, so I've definitely been guilty of that a lot in the past where I'm kind of just like, oh, I'm not feeling it. I'll just hit the snooze button again. Next thing I know, it's like, oh, I got to get up and don't have time to work out. Kind of mm-hmm. just give yourself that easy pass. But I think too, definitely for me, like having someone to work out with who's like knows I'm coming really helps me stay committed, especially like getting up at 6 a.m. It's like I would like a lot of times rather snooze, but just like knowing someone's counting on me to be there it really helps hold me accountable for things yeah because it's easy just to say like oh no to yourself but saying no to someone else is really hard especially for me yeah so that really helps like stay consistent and then too I've tried to um like be more uh powered by like positive emotions I remember you and Sean on mm-hmm. one of your interviews talked about that about like at the gym you used to be powered by like negative emotions like you'd use that as fuel yep. but as soon as like you didn't have that outlet it became like really negative on yourself so it's yeah. kind of like um, 
like I know working out, it's like, it might suck doing it at 7am in the morning, but I know at 8am, I'm going to feel great. And it's going to be a good day. And I'm going to walk out and like the sun's rising and it's going to be awesome. So it's like, even if it kind of sucks in the moment, it's like, I know it's going to be good later. So yeah. It's kind of just like pushing yourself to do that. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think, cause then you're in the moment. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like going back to the awareness piece too. When you remove that awareness from um, the moment and you start to like dig into it and you're like, shit, I don't want to do this. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. But when you're like, wow, I really enjoy it. And that doesn't come, it doesn't come the first day or the first week or even probably the first month. Yeah. But at some point, I remember Alec talking to you about this. He's like, man, I feel bad when I can't even work out like mm-hmm. during the day. Right. And it's like, yeah, because you, you've enjoyed that so much. And now it's like a hobby to you and you're bummed out when you can't do it. So I guess it kind of goes back to that awareness point that you were talking about. Yeah, um, definitely. Do you, what motivates you the most? Oh, that's anything a good question. That you've learned? Because uh, it seems to me you get really motivated working with others and like helping them along their own journey. Yeah, uh, that's honestly, that's what I'd say. I, I realized that like at the time when I was working out in the gym, I really loved fitness and I loved <laughs> in the most egotistical way possible. I loved looking good. Um, getting those and, gains. Yeah, getting the gains. <laughs> and um, I realized that like I could keep going, I can get motivated, but it wasn't fulfilling. Mm. And it really wasn't until this year working out with Jared and Alec and now you that I've reflected on, it wasn't that, that really made me happy. I was working out with the community and working out with those people. So basically what I realized was, is that for me, kind of like what you're saying, like I love to help people on their own journey is kind of goes back to my purpose. And that's what I'd say it is, is like helping people along their own journey, finding themselves and helping them be who they want to be without having that identity crisis around it. And so kind of like what I was talking about to you earlier is like, I I just really want to help people find themselves and connect to themselves and show up the most authentic way possible. And if that's through working out, great. If that's through coaching, great. If that's through managing people at work, great. Um, But yeah, I realized my motivation is when I align myself to my purpose, things come a lot easier because I'm not trying to do something. I'm just living it. And I think that was really powerful once I realized that. Yeah, that is a great thing to have. Yeah. We can get everything lined up. Definitely helps more with the the wellness part of fitness. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because I guess like, I think at the center of your uh, wellness wheel is your purpose at the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like you have all these things that overlap, but, um, and things we have to pay attention to put awareness on, just like you said, I think that's the first stage. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a, like a, a preach here. Are you good? Go on the rant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rant activated. And then I got flames coming up everywhere. Oh, it was coming. I've been waiting all night. <laughs> so I think the, the big thing for me, is at the center of your wellness wheel there's purpose and purpose has to share you know reality with um you know your financial wellness your partner your social life like your professional wellness you have to make money all these different things like even like vocation your um your like missionary work if you do that but at, like when it extends out it's kind of like a circle and when kind of like here, <laughs> right, right there, there, there we go. And so your circle is your purpose. And so that first expand out, cause you're not contracting, you're expanding at this point. Your first expansion is your awareness. So when you put awareness on something and you, it's kind of like AA in a weird way, but you admit to it. Your first mm. thing is admitting to it whether you're good or bad, because I think that's important too. Just because you're good, like just because you're bad at something doesn't mean it's the only thing you need to put awareness on. You need to admit to it. 
you also have to put things that you're good on that you, you know, that because it can go the other side, just like somebody that's super entitled and has a lot of money, they came for money and they don't know anything other than money. Mm-hmm. So being able to put awareness on that, you know, and you know where you're at, you know where you're going, you know where you came from. And so once you expand past that, there's different elements that go into that. Um, like there's kind of just kind of spitballing here, but then there's like this level of passion and love and trust and your inner child and all these things, all these different pieces that you extend out to ultimately get to mastery. Because if you don't allow yourself to authentically show up, then you come from a place of unfulfillment and you extend into one area of wellness too far. So if you think about it, it's kind of like a spinning top. If you've ever seen a spinning top, like you try to spin it on the side and it goes really far out, mm-hmm. spins out really quickly. That's the world putting you in balance, checking you again. But if you spin it in the center, it can spin for a really long time. And so I think that's important to spin from your purpose because then everything else comes easy. Mm-hmm. So that's my big long rant today. <laughs> I like it. I like that analogy. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've okay. actually been looking for a, um, like either a top or a ball with like a, a ring around it. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I like, I have this vision for it and I see it and I see what it looks like. And I see how people interact on a day-to-day basis, but I don't know how to like, I haven't seen one. I don't, cause I think I, there used to be these like nerf, um, balls where they had the ball and then they had like a big spiral around it. Maybe it was a dog toy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure you'll have to make one. I know. I guess <laughs> if there's anybody that's an engineer out there, I will pay top dollar for a ball in the center that expands out with a ring kind of like <laughs> a planet, I guess. <laughs> Just Saturn. Yeah. Basically Saturn. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know, I I guess the kind of going off track, like what is um, like what areas, other areas of wellness are you like actively putting awareness on or practicing or or like working through or trying to master right now? Um, Definitely one that comes to mind is like social and emotional. Mm -hmm. I noticed too, like throughout the years, like I've had a lot of like really bad social anxiety. I just never really knew how to like put a name to it. Okay. And so a lot of times, because whenever I was in social situations, which mostly happened in college, like there's always alcohol involved. So I'd always drink, which helped. And I noticed too, I just do that as a way to like soothe myself Mm -hmm. in social situations, which is pretty negative. Like it does help to some extent, but it's like, you're not always going to be able to drink because once that leads over into professional wellness, like you're in a professional space where you have to talk to multiple people, it's probably not good to have drinks on you all the time. Most places look down on that. Trust me, this is Diet Coke. It's not Coors Light. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like that. So I've just been trying to bring more awareness to that and just uh, break the social anxiety a little more which has definitely helped us more just like bringing awareness understanding it's like oh you are fine socially in situations you don't have to drink to be good yeah. and a, lot, a lot of stuff for me like i've noticed like immersion is really good just like going headfirst into a situation without really a plan mm-hmm. and then just like being like i'll oh, see what happens and then like it usually the best because then you're like oh it's fine like most oh, yeah. people it's like they just want to talk about themselves anyway so it's like you don't have to really be like socially anxious in a lot of situations and, and you're really good at this eye contact. I think mm-hmm. that helps too. I like, you're one of the people that I can never, like, I, I can usually hold eye contact longer than the person that I'm look that's looking at me, but you're one of the only people that like does not break it. And I'm just like, really? I, I can't. I thought about the same about you too. I was like, this guy's looking at me a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I can't break it. A staring contest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. too funny well that is I, the thing you that a lot of people don't have or a lot of people i've noticed too is like in a situation if i contact gets uncomfortable they'll just pull their phone out and like look down at that for a second and like back to you like it's really strange how that's kind of yeah become a way of breaking it so i guess like a real quick side story um so how i got good at eye contact really weird story is i actually um purposely 
made eye contact with people on the New York subway. <laughs> Every Wait, was that on? Day. Was that in the four-hour work week? Was it? It was in some book I read. He's talking about just make eye contact with people until they stop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, this was before I read that, and oh, really? I just like I stare. I would like stare at people as long as I could, and like at first it was like a second, and I'd look away. And then it got to the point where I just like, I was the king of the subway. Like nobody would look at me. I just keep eye contact with people. And luckily there was no, I mean, a couple of stories, but no, no big crazies on there. I was about to ask, is there anyone who like tried to fight you? No, never. Which was, which is good because I realized that a lot of people are, I think when you, I guess for me, my thing is you realize that people are more afraid of you than you are of them most of the time, Mm. like of the interaction. So it's just, it's really two people that are uncomfortable talking to each other and then it just builds on top of it. So if that makes sense, so it's like two people Mm -hmm. that are afraid to engage and they're engaging with each other. So then it makes it tough to have any connection between the two because both people are so engaged and so afraid of communicating with each other. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think, I think that's my thing. So to, how do you alleviate um, the social anxiety besides like immersion? Um, that was definitely the biggest one. I think too, just like, I've always been really good at like active listening. Like you're saying like eye contact, mm-hmm. like I really like listening to people and like learning what they have to say and like what, cause I always think like everyone can teach you something. Like everyone's really good yeah. at something you're not at. So just like by listening and just asking questions, like I've always been good at that. So like realizing that's like one of my big strengths really helps. Cause I just really like just listening. Like I can always, uh, like if something does get uncomfortable, I can always just ask questions and like bring the conversation to something else. Yeah. That's really helped too. I I agree with that. Um, and I think to like go on top of that, it, it makes it easy when you don't feel like you have to like control the conversation. It has, you have to have something come from it. Um, I think I used to put so much pressure on myself that I need to make somebody happy or engage with me or like me or something to come from it. Mm-hmm. But now that I've taken a step back and it's like, okay, whatever happens from the conversation is perfectly fine. It's, it's perfect the way it is. Right. Just taking that pressure off. Yeah. Really helps. Oh, it does, man. It's because the same with you, like I, I've just had so much social anxiety my whole life and still deal with it on a day-to-day basis. But um, I think the best way to do it, kind of going back to immersion, is New York and being around constant chaos all the time and new people. I can't even imagine. It all is great because I got out of my shell because I've always been an extrovert. I get my energy around people, but I was just always afraid of people and I had so much energy built up that when I finally got to engage with other people, I was just like, ah, like I, this is the one shot I have to engage and have a good conversation all day. And now I put so much pressure on it. That yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> just becomes this big thing and then you can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. It's tough. It's kind of like when you over prepare for a presentation or uh, an interview and then you're just stiff Yeah, and you're not yourself anymore. So, um, yeah, I do want to talk about, um, Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. the 12 rules of life. Great book. Did you read it yet? I have read the first chapter oh, about man. sitting up straight, which neither of us are doing right now, <laughs> but we're <laughs> Just not. <the> mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder how he would apply that to zoom meetings. Oh, dude. Like that's the, you get to be set up straight or. Yeah. Zoom meetings are weird. Because I feel like one, people just look at themselves the whole time, anyways. Mm-hmm. Like they don't really look at the other person. And it's really hard to connect with somebody. But what I mean, what do you think about like what do you what rules do you think he would apply? Which rules to that? Um I'm trying to think through. It's been a while since I've read it. So I only remember like a few rules that really stuck out to me more. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what you would apply to Zoom meetings. That'll be really interesting because it's kind of just a new way of communication that like forcibly took over. But yeah, man, it's so weird. And I feel like it's really hard to connect with somebody too. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but like I had a Zoom meeting today and it was terrible. It was some uh, one guy introduced me to another guy for like a networking and um, it was just weird because like he, the guy just because I think kind of like what you're saying, people get in a spot, they're either the talker or they're the listener. Mm. And to have like a really good conversation, you have to have both. Um, or the person that they identify with is in that position. So the talker is talking the whole time. The listener is listening the whole time. They're like, wow, I feel that was like a really good conversation because I was the person that I identify with. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was talking and I can tell he wasn't engaged with my conversation. So I just started asking questions and, you know, he found his spot, the talker, and I was a listener and it was not engaging at all. Like, I don't like race cars. I don't like cars at all. (laughs) And we were talking about cars for about 15 minutes of like what was supposed to be like a data meeting. And um at the end of it he's like oh i might be doing a road trip i might come up to indiana <laughs> and you're like oh. i'll be out of town yeah. <laughs> like, i didn't say when i was coming he's like i don't care i'll be gone <laughs> i will not be here <laughs> that is so awkward i couldn't imagine too like i haven't had to do much zoom for like business but especially too i feel like that would just be the worst well it's hard Nick, with somebody you don't know yeah, I think it because especially when you're face to face with someone, like you have that nuance, the body language, the tone. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, too, like jokes you'll say on Zoom, like don't follow through like they would in person. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of awkward because everyone's just staring at you and you're like, that was a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, can I take that back? Yeah, but in person, especially too, it goes a lot with like knowing the person more, too. But it's just, you just lose a lot of that with the digital interface. Yeah. So I guess, how can we be, what would you say? How could we be better at, zoom or engaging in zoom Ooh, i don't know i just try and have fun with it how do you do that because i'm still working on that i don't know that's (laughs) it's kind of broad (laughs) i just don't put much expectation on it to be good okay yeah or to be as engaging as like it's not going to be as good as in person but it can still be like okay like i always think of it just being like okay communication Mm mm-hmm So then like, it just, I don't have much expectation, but then the weird thing with zoom is like, I've had zoom meetings with friends, um, during quarantine and it's a lot better if you know the person, I feel like it flows a lot more if you know them on a personal level than just over zoom. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Cause I think you, you, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, and here's where I'm going to go a little woo woo, but Mm -hmm. energetically, like you can feel them and you know where they're at as a person, you know how they're feeling, you're getting that validation and that connection from it. Where Zoom, you can only feel that if you've already known the person, you've already had that Mm -hmm. connection, you've already met in person. Definitely. Yeah, Um, we all have different energies and just being around it, you can learn like how well you work with someone. Like it's hard to like feel that chemistry over Zoom. Like sometimes you can kind of get it, but most of the time I feel like it's kind of difficult. Yeah. And then, and then I think for body language too, like people are hunched over a mic and, you know, you might be looking at yourself or they're not making direct eye contact with you. So you're like looking at them, but you don't know if they're really looking at you. It's like You're looking at their panel, not the camera. So it's like, they just not want to look at me or what's going on. Yeah. So the, cause I guess that's where I get mine from, but, um, let's let's uh so let's we're getting real deep in that (laughs) rabbit hole for zoom and i feel like everybody talks about that um let's go to uh jp let's bring that back so i want to know what's your what rule did you connect with the most and that you apply actively in your life the one i uh most connected with i think i brought it up around you before but it's um compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today And I think that goes really far in the fitness and wellness areas Mm -hmm. because like now, especially with social media, you see all these influencers and people who are like jacked in great shape. And then you see all this and they're always posting about how good a shape they are. And it's like, I'll never get there. I can never do that. But they also don't show like the months and years it took to get there. Like that didn't just happen overnight. Like there's so much to go into. So if you like go work out like a few times a week and you're not seeing the results you want, like you have your comparison to someone who's just so high up you're just going to end up being disappointed 
but at the same time, it's like, say you just went out and ran like for 15 minutes, but in the past month and a half, you haven't worked out at all. Like that's such a big improvement over who you were. They just need to focus on that and feel good about that achievement and realize that like we're saying, fitness and wellness is a journey, not just like an overnight thing. So just be happy on the journey and realize you're being better than you were. Yeah. That one's really helped me a lot too. And then you can apply that to so many other areas. I think it also goes with fitness too, of seeing other people have fitness success. Like sometimes I used to feel jealous because I wasn't where I wanted to be in fitness. So I'd kind of like underplay someone else's achievements mm. just because I was unhappy with myself. But now that I understand it's like I'm on my own journey, it's going to take me a little while, but I'll get there. And it helps me be a lot more proud of people who are a lot farther along in their journey, especially yeah. if you like seeing where they come from. That's deep, man. Because mm-hmm. it's it's important to you know share that achievement with them and and celebrate. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's like we're all connected. Like, why are you gonna <laughs> why are you gonna go over to somebody's pursuit and you know muddy up their path? Right. Like, it just cheer them on from where you're at, uh, and that's I don't know. I wish more people did that. I wish more people got excited um i don't yeah. oh go ahead oh i just think it, that, like we were saying it takes a lot of self-awareness to get there because i think a lot of times we do and don't even realize it they're like underplaying mm-hmm. someone else or like putting them down it's like why do we do that and it's like deeply because we're unhappy with ourselves so we don't want to face that so we just make it seem like everyone else isn't doing as well either um i do want to ask do you feel like jordan peterson missed a rule and what would that rule be Oh, that's tough. I do know. I don't know if it came out, but he was in the process of writing 12 more rules for life. So maybe uh-huh. my rules will be in there. But um, a big one I've noticed, it doesn't apply as much for fitness, but just something I've noticed too, especially after like over the past few years, is like try to understand where someone is coming from before you tell them they're wrong about like mm-hmm. a point, especially in terms of like, I see this a lot in like politics or just differing views on things, because uh, especially coming from a small town, like I've had a lot of political differences with a lot of my family. And yeah. it's kind of hard, like you see on Facebook, a lot of people just go straight for the offense and be like, you're wrong, you're dumb. Like, you don't care about people just yell. And it's like, first of all, it's like, that won't change anyone's opinion. If you go in guns blazing, start yelling at them, especially over text, like they're not going to walk away and be like, that person was right. <laughs> they're going to get more into their own view and say they're wrong they're they don't know anything they're stupid uh, yeah exactly it's like um yeah that person knew exactly what they're talking about when they called me a dumb motherfucker <laughs> yeah it's like yeah this person i don't like and i haven't talked to since high school shared some article that's against mm-hmm. my views i'll probably listen to it and change my views it's like no that's not gonna happen no never like, they won't even look at the article at all yeah but can you like, I think it's just echo chambers, you know, for right, left, middle, whatever you want to call it. People just surround themselves with people that validate themselves and their own beliefs. So when they come into contact with somebody else, um, especially when you get older, I feel like you kind of like what we talked about the neuroplasticity with Maddie, you know, if you don't have a lot of change in your environment, you become pretty, pretty solid there. Um, and so when you have like a lot of, you know, that neuroplasticity, when you're younger, your mind's like a fertile ground. And so like going to college, I think that's where I got a lot of my beliefs. It's like, oh, that makes a lot more sense into some, like why I would get behind it rather than a lot of things that I was still born and raised from now. And that's not saying everything. Cause I still think some things that, you know, I grew up with that uh, people in New York or um people in college i was just like that what yeah (laughs) how did you get that conclusion but it's where you grew up in it's the the echo chamber that that found you yeah your environmental factors yeah so because then too like if i have a disagreement with a family member it's like let me think through it it's like if i grew up in a small town especially like back in the day before the internet before any resources and i've stayed there like i haven't moved anywhere all you hear is people saying the same thing you turn on the tv and it just tells you all the views you want to hear it's like of course i would think that same way too so it's easier to understand like how they got there and i think yeah. from that place you can be calmer and just like just ask them about their beliefs like okay why do you think that like here's why that's different compared to this instead of just going in and yelling at people 
And it's like that definitely I've noticed a lot more progress with people in my family, like helping them come to like more progressive views doing that, just having yeah. conversations, not just like you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. And then to along with that, just realizing that people are a lot different th- or deeper than their political beliefs. Mm-hmm. I think too, a lot of times we'll just write people off be like, oh, like, you know, they're conservative. I don't want anything to do with them. Unfriend me on Facebook. I don't want to have ever see you again. But then it's like some people I know that are really good, like happen to be conservative. But it's yeah. like, I can still be friends with them because we connect on a bunch of different levels. Like maybe on some we don't. But if we get to that, we can have conversations about it and see like why we differ instead of just cutting them out. Oh, exactly. You cut everyone out who thinks different than you. You're never going to change anyone's mind. You're just like look, seeking to reinforce your own views the whole time. And yeah. be, like you said, in that echo chamber where you never have to be challenged. And that just like stops your growth too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Because if you don't, if you don't listen and take that in, then you're, you're part of the problem, not a part of the solution. Right. <laughs> and I think a lot of times the answer doesn't lie on one side or the other. It lies in the middle. And so being able to, to find out somebody else's view, viewpoint either helps you in understanding it, not calling them wrong, mm-hmm. helps you validate your own point or right. helps you find something that had a, a, a loophole in your own. Mm-hmm. And so that either helps you structure your you know, opinion or belief a little bit more solid, or it helps you uh, grow as a person and understand it's like, okay, yeah, I'm my belief might change now because I didn't really see it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a belief that really changed my mind. I think for me, it was just like a lot of cultures um, growing up, you know, basically in a predominantly white community it was tough. Like, um, I think it wasn't, you know, I dated, uh, like a black girl in high school. And I think that helped me expand my beliefs from there, but I think it wasn't really until college. Cause then it was like people from different countries and, and seeing where they're coming from and seeing where they, what they believe and their ideas. And with that culture comes, um, that foundation and those values that I can start to say like, Hey, what do I value? Is it this, you know, is, is it being overly nice and being really considerate? It's like, no, I don't really care about that value. If I'm, it's exhausting for me to like care about what everybody thinks all the time. And I got to the point, it's like, you know what, if somebody has a problem with me, I want them to tell me like if, but if they're not going to tell me, I don't want to just think, oh, could they be upset with me? Cause it just exhausted me. Kind of like a social anxiety going back to that. Cause then I just had all that social anxiety and I was just like, now it's worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I'm caring yeah, about what other people think. Weighs on you so much. It does. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Definitely being open to other cultures has helped me a lot too. Like you're saying, like going to IU it's like I had only had friends from like rural Indiana because we just never mm-hmm. hung out with anyone different. And it's like going there, I had friends from China, from Korea, from all over the place. And it was just like so interesting to like interact with them and learn about their cultures. And it's like, oh, like we can all get along just fine. And we all have way more similarities than dissimilarities. Oh, it yeah. It like really opens your mind and helps a lot. And then, and then you start to realize what your beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I used to think this one comedian was really funny, this YouTuber. And then I shared, um, with my information systems class in grad school, one of the videos and I hadn't seen it since, you know, middle school or like early high school. And the video was super racist. And I was like, wow, I like enjoyed that stuff to the point where I was like, that was just where I was grew up in and like where I came from. And now I realize it's like that, like being with those people, like, and, and being with like a different culture, like I realized that it's something that I guess I, I take a, a second thought about like what I find, not what I find funny, but 
you know, just like what kind of message I want to spread and what I want to tell other people. So I think that can, if nobody's going to stand up to it, then um, it's just going to continue the way it's going to go. And so, but I think that's a a totally another conversation that we can get into at at a different time. Or do you want to keep it on the, the, the pursuit of wellness? Um, So I do want to talk about a little bit more about your keto experience and kind of how that was for you. Yeah. So overall, uh, I think it was about like a little over three months. Um, I think going into it, I'm trying to think, cause I was really bad about like keeping weight tabs. Um, I think I was like at 215 mm-hmm. and I hadn't really worked out in like the past couple of years. So it was a lot of fat. And then at the end I was like around like 180. So about like 35 pounds Oh wow. lost. And then too, I was working out a lot. So I was building muscle as well. So it was hard to say like where that all ended up in, but, um, I kind of got into it just like a lot of people I worked with that had good experiences with it. Mm-hmm. But like the same, I was saying like a lot of them I talked to had done it in the past and like, yeah, I lost like 40, 50 pounds, but then they had gained it back because yeah. like, well, a lot with them too, they weren't working out on top of it. It was just complete diet change, which does work for a lot of people. Yeah. But as soon as you fall out of that ketosis, like you're just back to where you were, like your body will just store that fat. Mm-hmm. And um, so a big resource I used, there was a guy on YouTube, I think he still does videos, is Dr. Eric Berg. And he's a really big um, proprietor for the keto diet and like all the health benefits. And the good thing about his was like, I've seen some pretty extreme people on keto who are like, you only need fat. You only need MCT oil and butter. And that's all you need all day. Like I watched this one lady one time. She's like, yeah, I put my husband on like a uh, fat diet. So he only has two bulletproof coffees a day, which is like coffee with like butter, MCT oil and coconut oil. Oh my God. I was like, I don't think that's very healthy. I think you're going to kill your heart. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And she's like, it's totally fine. No bad effects. And it's like, you don't know that. (laughs) Yeah. You lost weight, but just because you lose weight doesn't mean it's good. Oh yeah. And then you're going to put that much strain on your body. Like it's, I did do a couple bulletproof coffees and it does set in your stomach. So I do not recommend putting butter in your coffee. Um, Oh, that's gross. I mean, MCT oil is fine. Like I, I do like MCT oil. I'll add that to my coffee sometimes, but it's just putting butter in your coffee. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe somebody else knows something more about that than me, but that just sounds disgusting. Yeah, we'll have to ask Bailey one episode if that's healthy. <laughs> we just need her to tear up all the fad diets and tell us what's what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, it'd be good. But the guy I watched, he really stressed um, like a lot of it was on the net carbs. So then you would just subtract like your total carbs from your total fiber to get that. So you're still trying to get like high fiber in your diet throughout it all, but you're trying to get, um, yeah, foods that like, if they had carbs in them, they were high fiber as well. Yeah. So like a big thing he stressed is getting like seven to 10 daily servings of leafy greens, Hmm. which is like pretty hard to do. Cause I think on top, like, yeah, my usual like diet was like a lot of chicken, like maybe some steak thrown in if it was on sale. And then I would have a lot of like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and then leafy greens. And that's really all I ate for like months and then too, like a good thing because a lot of keto they'll be like no fruit at all fruits the enemy it's awful for you but on his he was like berries are a really good way to get fruit because it's like fruit's not bad you just want the ones that are higher in fiber which berries often are mm-hmm. so that was really good too so i could have like smoothies and stuff uh, it sounds like i mean what kind of fat did you have in your diet i did have a lot of um like oils and stuff like i put butter on my vegetables and everything Uh, and a lot of avocados i forgot about that i was eating like one avocado a day which is like my favorite food so that was like a lot of good healthy fats i love avocados yeah but yeah i mean i guess it sounds like it it sounds like a not as extreme version of keto which is good but Mm -hmm. i guess when did you start like gaining the weight back I think it was just like after I got back from the cruise, like I kind of fell off and then just started mm-hmm. getting like slowly and slowly more unmotivated. Mm-hmm. It was kind of hard. And then with that too, like I was saying, like I, like you still want those like foods that are like quote unquote bad for you. Yeah. So then when you have them like out of that, you like get out of ketosis and then you like kind of lose all that motivation you had. And then you just don't feel as good. And it kind of just becomes a cycle. Yeah. I bet it, it just makes it hard. You know, like once you get out of it, 
Mm-hmm. Like it takes a lot to to get back on the rails and, and get back to where you're going. Definitely. I think I think that's like a really good tool for people. And I guess like how do you now where you're at, how do you get back on the rails? Like what do you do you have any tools or people that you reach out to or things that uh, you do? Not really. I just try and be more mindful of what I'm eating. Cause I've noticed too, with me, it really depends on your body type, which is a big thing people leave out with like dieting stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed too, if I go like high protein, low carb, I do feel a lot better. Like I have a lot more energy throughout the day. And yeah. I think too, like, it's really easy for me to like put on and lose weight. So like whenever I have carbs into when I say like low carb, I mean like low, like processed carbs and stuff. Like, you know, like a lot of the pastas are like enriched and all that. Oh like yeah. Cut out all of those. I'll still have fruit and stuff a lot but just trying to cut out all the things that are processed and just have a more natural diet. I definitely feel more. So I just try and do that. Like 80% of the time, I mean like good natural foods and that 20% I can have like the stuff that's bad for me. What's your go-to bad stuff? Oh man, that's tough. I, I always get like a big hankering for chips. Like there's always chips. Really? Sometimes, yeah. What kind of chips? Whatever candies. Oh no, there's this one candy. Um, I guess it's not really candy, but like sometimes we'll get it from uh, Costco and it's like this popcorn. It's like kettle corn with the white and d- the dark chocolate on it drizzled. I've tried to be in a whole bag, like a Costco <laughs> bag full. <laughs> how much is like the big Costco bag? Like, Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just go in. They're like, who ate this? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was funny. empty. Yeah, the dog ate it. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You might take the dogs of that. Yeah, that's the bad thing. It's like I don't eat that much, but if I go like you're saying, like on a cheat day or a binge, like it's like intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. I've been trying to like, even if I do it every day or every other day, like do something small, like even if it's like a little bit of dark chocolate. Mm. or like dates are pretty healthy and i've been doing those and those are like get my sweet tooth oh man i just left a sweet potato in the microwave now that i remember (laughs) um can't wait sweet sweet potatoes and and then wine i've been drinking more wine because i i think that's the thing like i used to drink like whiskey and then it just messed up my sleep schedule i Mm. think that i've been since you got me on the whoop band i've been um before that always been considerate about my my sleep schedule but now it's like i can actually track it and so it makes it a lot easier to be like okay this this definitely isn't good for me like this Mm -hmm. doesn't help me so um i can either have it on the weekend when i have a lot longer time to sleep or i just cut it out completely and it makes it a lot easier and i think when i have that motivation to have a reason not to do something besides i don't want to like i or i shouldn't but something like how I feel or it affects my sleep or um, it affects my ability to like uh, work out, then it's like, okay, I have a lot more motivation to not have a negative impact mm. rather than, you know, just because I shouldn't do it. Right. That's a good so. point. Definitely too, like ever since getting whoop, like alcohol is such a big strain on your sleep. You don't realize because a lot of times too, I'd be like, well, I slept a lot, but I'm still tired. And then like you look on the whoop because it tracks like you're like REM deep and light sleep and you're like in light sleep or awake most of the time you have alcohol, like your body never gets to that deep sleep. So while you are sleeping a lot, it's just like really shitty sleep. Yeah. Oh man, that's nuts. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to like dig a little bit more into it with the strain and Mm -hmm. recovery. And I did look up a little bit more about like the um it is more cardiovascular strain than it is like muscle strain you're absolutely right about that um for like measuring weightlifting Mm -hmm. and i think that i realized that um it's still getting close to the calorie accuracy but it's going to be off compared to if you ran or if right. you did um, something like yoga. Mm-hmm. So definitely good to know. Yeah, that is crazy. Because yeah, if you don't get the heart rate up, like especially with cardio, there's a lot of peaks and falls. That's where it mm-hmm. tracks it the most, I've noticed. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just about how, how high you can get that heart rate. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, Jared, do you have any last comments or or words that you want to leave everybody with? Um, just wish everyone well on their personal journey of wellness. All right, everybody, keep on your pursuit with you, pal. Have a good night, and thanks, Jared, for coming. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yep. Yeah.